Hello and welcome, my faithful and loyal readers and listeners. Welcome to our daily devotional for May the 27th. If you remember, our daily devotional is broken up into two different segments. We have our verse of the day segment, (coughs) and we have our through the Bible in one year segment. So our verse for May the 27th, actually we just say 26th, I meant May the 27th, comes from John chapter 21, verse, uh, John chapter 20, verse 21, excuse me, which says, Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. So again, Jesus identified himself with his father. He told his disciples by whose authority they did his work. So then he <coughs> and he passed the job to his disciples of spreading the good news of salvation around the world. So whatever God has asked you to do, remember these two important things. Number one, your authority comes from God. And number two, Jesus is demonstrated by words and actions how to accomplish the job he has given you. So as the Father sent Jesus, sent Jesus sends his followers and you. So the Bible readings that go along with May the 27th are 2 Samuel chapter 12, John chapter 16, Psalm 119, 65-80, and Proverbs 16, 4-5. So now we are going to move, th- move from our verse of the day segment to our Through the Bible in One Year segment. So this will be day 147 of this segment. And again, if you have missed any of these segments, whether it be our verse of the day segments, or Through the Bible in One Year segments, you can find them and catch up with them by visiting upstatechristian.com. So when we were last together, we finished John chapter 9, with Jesus having a discussion or a discourse on physical blindness versus spiritual blindness with the religious leaders of his day. And this discourse or discussion that he had carries over into this first section of John chapter 10. And it is in these first 21 verses of John chapter 10. Let me see, for the first time Jesus used this imagery of sheep and shepherds. So this imagery and the message it conveys about the good shepherd gives a picture of Jesus as the true shepherd, or as the leader and caregiver and ruler of his people. His true love and leadership (coughs) is a contrast of false shepherds or unfaithful leaders. 
for this imagery would have been very familiar to Jesus' audience because of its Old Testament overtones, as well as their familiarity with shepherding in daily life. So Ezekiel chapter 34 gives some important background for Jesus' words in John chapter 10. So what is this we're talking about with Ezekiel chapter 4? Here is what we see, right? So I'm, I'm not going to read all, I'm going to read so if you want to read that, you can go look at it, but Ezekiel chapter 34 is talking about the Lord being Israel's shepherd. So just as the leaders of Ezekiel's day failed to care for God's people, the religious leaders of Jesus' day failed to carry out their responsibilities to God's people. <coughs> So now let's dive into John chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. That's going to be where we start off today. Which says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. <coughs> Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So what we see here is that this continues the discourse that began in John chapter 9. So Jesus contrasted how the religious leaders shepherd God <coughs> shepherd shepherded God's people with how he shepherds his people. The contrast was clearly depicted in the previous chapter that we chapter nine. By how they treated the healed blind man. Jesus is the so how what do we mean by that? So Jesus treated the healed blind man with compassion, right? So what does he say? Um so in other words, uh, Jesus asked him, uh Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who he, who is he, sir? The man asked, Tell me so that I believe in him. You have now seen him. In fact he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe and he worshipped him. So, Jesus treated this blind man with care and compassion, this blind man with care and compassion, while the Pharisees treated this healed blind man with contempt and hatred. So, what we also say is that Jesus is the true shepherd, and that he enters the sheepfold through the gate. We see he knows his sheep, we see they recognize his voice. 
and we see that they follow him. So what we see is that the religious leader, who by the way had cast a blind man out of the synagogue because he told them things that he they did not want to hear, were thieves and robbers. They did not enter the sheepfold through the gate, and the sheep fled from them because they did not recognize their friends. So now let's move on. We're going to pick up at verse 7 and go through verse 10, which says, Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come belong, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So again, we see Jesus claimed to be the gate for the sheep. So this is the third, the third of Genesis 7 I am statements that occur throughout the Gospel of John. We're going to see one more in this same chapter in a little while. So those who enter through Jesus, in other words, those who believe in him are saved. So what we see here is Jesus contrasted his purpose of coming with the thief, which is Satan. So Jesus had, had spoken about thieves and robbers, right, in plural. Now he's referring to the thief, singular. So the thief, singular, is Satan. The thieves, in plural, are those who try to do Satan's work. So this contrast between Jesus and his purposes and Satan and his purposes could not be greater. The thief seeks to destroy people's lives followers who might have life abundantly. So now let's take a little bit deeper look at this section. And to do that we're going to focus on two distinct phrases that occur in this section. The first phrase is, I gate. And the second phrase is, thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So the first phrase, I am the gate, teaches that there is only one way, only one way to spiritual salvation, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Don't not, do not let anybody up, do not let anybody tell you anything different. If they do, it's a lie. There's only one true way to spiritual salvation, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. So those who Enter God's kingdom through Jesus will be saved from the eternal consequences of sin, which, by the way, are spiritual death and eternal separation from God, and will experience a personal relationship with God. As a result, they will have all they need to serve God's purposes and experience victory over sin, guilt, and condemnation. So now let's look at the second phrase. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And they have come and they have life and have it to the full, which is a contrast between s Satan's purpose and Christ's purpose, as we've already said. So Satan and his forces serve 
only themselves. Their desires destroy people, and keep them from God. In contrast, Jesus has come to give people true life through a personal relationship with Him. So by accepting Christ's forgiveness and new life, people can find and fulfill the highest purpose for which God has created them. So now let's move on. So we're going to move on with verses 11 through 13. <clears throat> which says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the and the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So what we see here is that Jesus claimed to be the good shepherd. So this is the fourth of Jesus' seven I am statements around throughout John's Gospel. And it's the second one that we see in John chapter 10. The second one we see in John chapter 10. The first time we have seen two back to back. And we'll get into John chapter 11, which will be in a couple of days. We're going to see a third one that's come up in just two short chapters. <coughs> so, shepherd imagery. So, the shepherd imagery that we see here has the rich Old Testament overtones. So, in the Old Testament, God is the shepherd of his people. So the religious leaders were chastised or chased off and by God failure to be faithful shepherds. While we see the coming Messiah would faithfully shepherd God's people. And the good shepherd would demonstrate his commitment to his sheep by laying down his life for them. So now let's dive a little bit deeper into this phrase, I am the good shepherd. So what Jesus is saying here is that he is the promised good shepherd who was prophesied throughout the Old Testament. There are three big things that we need to take away from this phrase. <coughs> Number one, this metaphor pictures Jesus' tender and devoted care for his followers. Was constantly watching over them to guide and to keep them from harm. So that's the first thing. The second thing, Christ's distinctive characteristic as the ultimate good shepherd is his willingness to die for his sheep. His death on the cross spiritually rescues and saves those who choose to follow him. So Christ is called the Good Shepherd here. He's called the Great Shepherd in Hebrews 13.20. And he's called the Chief Shepherd in 1 Peter 5.4. So this shepherd imagery carries over throughout the writings of the New Testament. And the third and final thing we see here is the minister or leader <coughs> who serves only to earn a living or to gain honor or, or admiration from others is the hired hand that we saw talked about in verses 12 through 13. So we're talking about there, right? <coughs> so it says the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep 
and runs away, then the wolf attacks. When the wolf attacks, the flock is scattered, so the man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. <coughs> so true spirit traders, just as all leaders, care for their sheep, which are those they lead and with whom they have influence, while ungodly and false leaders are more concerned about themselves and their positions than the people they have been appointed to lead. You following me there? You following me right now? So, true spiritual leaders care for their sheep. They care for those they lead. Care for those for whom they have influence. Well, false leaders and, and ungodly leaders don't care about those they lead. They don't care about those they have influence over. They only care about themselves and their positions. They're only looking out for number one. So now let's move on. We're going to move into verses 14 to 18 now. Which says, I am their good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. So as the good shepherd, Jesus knows his sheep, and they know him. The word know here means more than knowing about someone. It suggests an idea of intimate knowledge. It means they know, they don't just know your name. They know about you, they know your personal history. They know where you come from, they know what makes you tick. They know who you are as a person, not just who you are as a cog in a big machine. So the shepherd knows his sheep because he loves them. His knowledge is so intimate that it is comparable to the relationship between the son and the father. Ooh. Comparable to the relationship between the Son and the Father. Jesus knows you so well that it is comparable to the relationship between Jesus, between God the Son and God the Father, where they each know each other so well because they are the exact same person. That when one acts, the other knows what they're doing, and when one acts, the other knows what they're doing. So Jesus' reference to other sheep points to the Gentile mission. So it would be, be by the Son's death that this community of faith would be born. The Father loves the Son because of the Son's absolute dedication to the Father's will. This dedication will lead to his death and resurrection at the appointed time under the authority of the Son and not under the authority of his opponents. So now we're going to finish this up with the last 
3 verses, which is 19 through 20, which says, The Jews who heard these words were again delighted. Many of them said he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why, listen to him. But others said, These are not those sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Right. So can the demons open the eyes of the blind? So it was here that the crowd's response to Jesus' discourse caused a pattern or acceptance. Some believed him to be demon-possessed. Others rejected that assessment and pointed to his words and deeds. And even those who supported him were not completely positive. They were not completely positive because they still had questions. So the reason they were saying these things, right? So the so this this is what we're talking about, which is verse twenty-one. It says, "But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind?" The answer to that question is no. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind. But could a man open the eyes of the blind? Sure, you're operating under the power of God. Could God himself open the eyes of the blind? Yes, he could. So that's what I mean. They were not completely positive. They were just simply saying, a demon can't do these things. So Jesus can't be demon-possessed. But he could still be a man operating under the power of God, and not God himself operating through his divine and sovereign power. That's what I mean by not entirely positive. And so we will pick up there as we come to the end of John chapter 10, when we move into this last section of John chapter 10 tomorrow. So what you need to do to be prepared for that is read Second Samuel chapter 13, John chapter 17, Psalm 119, 81 through 96, and Proverbs 16, 6 through 7.